guys doing all right? Yeah. Come on, clap your hands. Clap your hands for Jesus. Amen. Amen. This is how we fight our battles. Amen. 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 We stand strong. Amen. For the battle is not ours, but it's whose? Amen. And the Bible says, let God arise and his enemies be what? Scattered, scattered. When God fights for you, there's always going to be victory. It's always going to be victory when God fights for us. Anybody got the victory on today? Anybody got the victory on today? Anybody victorious? Amen. Amen. We want to welcome you guys to Hope Haven Church. Um, as you guys can see, I got my pink on. It is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. We want to celebrate all of the women that have fought the battle of breast cancer, the overcomers. Amen. Can we just clap our hands? Amen. Um, for the men and women. Um, I don't know if you guys noticed in the news this week, uh, Matthew Knowles made the announcement that he had breast cancer. Um, so it's not just a women's battle anymore, but there are men that also will fight the battle of breast cancer. And we want to keep them in our prayers. Uh, so I asked that I asked in our, um, what do you call it, our huddle this morning, um, if they could, um, sometime this month, just wear some type of pink uh, to let's celebrate those uh, that have gone through the battle of breast cancer. Y'all going to help me out this month? All right, so one Sunday that you come, just wear some pink. Um, just to let them know that we're in solidarity with them and that we're fighting this battle because this is how we fight our battles. We trust in Jesus. So today we are dealing with the book of Romans. We're almost coming to a close. We've been in Romans for the whole month of August, the whole month of September, and now we're in October and we're still in Romans. Uh, but on Wednesday night, we're going to close out. And then on next Sunday, we're going to start our new series uh, on the three kings, Saul, David and Solomon. So that should be very interesting. Uh, but I'm here to close out on uh, Romans 15. I want you to look at your neighbor and say, it's not about us. It's not about us. It's not about us. I'm going to work from verses 1 through 21 on today. Um, you guys ready? You guys got your Bibles? All right. And if somebody said no, all right, if you ain't got your Bible, look what God has done. He has put it right up here on this screen for us. Amen. When you get there, say Amen. Uh, we got a larger projector here now, so you have no excuse on why you can't see this. All right. It says, now we who are strong, you can underline the word strong, have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Say that again. We who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please others. One of the greatest miracles that happens inside of the church, outside of our salvation, because a lot of times we put a lot of emphasis on healing as the ultimate miracle. Um, and you have people that are miracle healers and, you know, they take pride on laying hands and, you know, and, and I don't take anything away from that, but that is not the greatest miracle. Every single one of you are the greatest miracle. Can I share with you what the greatest miracle that God has ever done? The greatest miracle that God has ever done is he saved you. So one of the greatest miracle workers is the preacher that can preach the gospel so convicting that a person gives their life to God. That means more than me healing your arm and you leave and still being a devil. <laughs> that means more than me healing you, putting hands on you and God healing you from cancer, but your soul's not right. The greatest miracle that God has done for all of us is he has saved our soul. So if anybody wants to ask you, well, what miracles have you seen in church? And some of us have seen some miracles. I've, I've seen miracles happen in church. Like I said, I'm not taking away from that. But if someone asks you, what, what is the greatest miracle you ever seen in church? All you got to do is point at yourself and say me. Because if it was not for Jesus saving my soul, I wouldn't be here and I wouldn't be who I am. So the greatest miracle, Kara, is not necessarily the oil that healed your headache. The greatest miracle is if Kara did not have Jesus on her side, we wouldn't know Kara. Y'all quiet. So besides that miracle, because to me, that's the greatest miracle. The greatest miracle other than that is when God brings a diverse group of people, unifies them and calls them the church. You got to realize how, how powerful that is. How each and every single one of us have different walks of life. Every single one of us have a different story. 
And the truth of the matter is, is that if Jesus did not connect us, we would not even know each other. <laughs> if I didn't know Christ, I wouldn't know none of y'all. Because I'd be doing something else that you probably wouldn't be interested in. But the power of the gospel is that it connects us even when we're diverse. So we talked about this on, on Wednesday night in Bible study. So therefore, what we don't want to do is we don't want our diversity to separate us. We want our diversity to unify us. And one of the greatest ways that the church goes through some of the greatest warfare is when the enemy uses our differences to separate us. Mm. That's the greatest way that he has victory in the church. Is he gets you so stuck in how you operate that you can't see God working in someone else in a different way. They don't dress like me. They don't act like me. They don't do prayer like me. They don't do church like us. So therefore, because they don't do it my way, they can't be saved. Y'all, I know if y'all heard that before. Oh, that church ain't saved. They get out too early. That church ain't saved. They women wear pants. That church ain't saved. They wear them long skirts. That church ain't saved. And we fail to understand that God has given us diversity to unify us. So what Apostle Paul deals with in Romans the 14th and in Romans the 15th chapter is how not to allow our differences to separate us. How there are some people that do certain things out of their own convictions. Y'all with me? There are certain things that I do that is my personal conviction on why I do it. I don't listen to certain type of music. But I'm not going to send you to hell. Because I like Earth, Wind & Fire. And you only listen to gospel. Oh, I'm talking. Am I talking to somebody here today? <laughs> there are certain settings where I go and not to be offensive when I preach in those churches and in those settings, I make sure that I put a suit on so that I don't allow my diversity to become confusing to them. Watch this. It's, it's, it's not compromising who I am. It's me meeting them at common ground so that we can do an ultimate goal. Does that make sense? So I, 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 I'm going to put this suit on. I don't like it. But if me putting this suit on is going to draw somebody to Christ, then I'm going to put the suit on. We're going to connect together, even though we don't necessarily agree there, but we're going to come together for one common goal so that we can reach the ultimate goal, which is to draw the souls to Christ. But what the enemy does is he separates us. We become rebellious in our own thoughts, in our own opinions, and our own convictions. And because I don't want to do it your way, I'd rather stick here and be stubborn than to connect and let's reach an ultimate goal together. Certain things trigger people. Y'all quiet. Certain things trigger people. And when God saved them, they separated from those things so that they wouldn't be triggered by it and possibly go back. So you can sit at a bar because you have no convictions, but from what God delivered me from, I can't be in it. So in order for us to connect, let me step away from the bar and let's have common ground so that we can make sure that we connect and have unity in Christ. So Apostle Paul is dealing with two different types of people in the church. He's dealing with the Jewish Christians. And the Jewish Christians are those who know the law. They've memorized Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. They know the do's and the don'ts of Judaism. Now they come into Christianity, but they still have those convictions. So they still dress a certain way. 
They still don't eat certain foods, but they love Jesus. Now you have the Gentiles coming in who are a little wilder. They don't observe circumcision. They don't observe the Sabbath. They don't observe uh, eating certain types of foods. They eat everything. So now they come together for communion and you got one group who eats kosher and you got another group that's eating pork, a ham sandwich and some ribs in the back. And now there's a split in the church because I don't do that and I ain't going to come and try to be all strict like you. So therefore, we got an issue in the church because we got two people that say they love Jesus, but they can't meet in the middle. So now Paul comes in Romans 15 and 1 and he says, now, though we who are strong, we who are not bound by the obligations of the law anymore. Those of us who don't have a drag of lists of people pleasing performance things. Those of us who don't trip if somebody walks in with a tank top on. Those of us who don't trip on whether or not somebody goes to church on Saturday and Sunday. Those of us who don't trip on whether or not you're supposed to start church with a prayer or church start church with a song. Those of us who are strong in those areas, we have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength. If they can't handle it, let's shift so that we can make them strong too. Oh, I wish y'all could get with me today. I'm sorry I'm loud, but I feel this. Because what is happening now is that we're moving as Hope Haven into a, a liberation. And when I say liberation, I don't mean we're free to do whatever. But we're taking the bounds and the confines off of tradition. And what we don't want to do is folks that come in from traditional ways is to convict them from their core values or their core convictions. We need to be able to say, I understand that's where you come from. And I might do it differently, but we worship the same Christ. So let us come together and let us do it together like we always do it rather than sitting up here. Uh, nah, I can't deal with them. And on the same token, I want to be able to worship with them. And for them to understand that I'm not stuck to performance based righteousness. Is this making sense, Britt? I'm not I'm not I'm not stuck on performance based righteousness. I come as I am and my heart is pure towards God. And I just want you to realize that my heart is right. And I love Jesus just as much as you do. I fast just as much as you do. I pray just as much as you do. I just don't do church like you do. But yet we still have the ultimate goal, which is to reach souls for the lost and draw them in to Christ. Now, we who are strong have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves, meaning that if I get in the way, I can hinder someone else from getting stronger in God. I have seen this. I have seen this. I have seen people not get prayer because they smelled funny, because they looked funny. I've seen people make an assumption. And they don't get a prophecy because they don't look successful or they don't react to the word like I want them to. So because you're not giving me the reaction that I want, I get stuck in myself and I can't let God use me to be effective to you because you don't do it the way I want you to do it. And that's a problem to me. That's a huge problem to me. Because now I got to question your motive and I also have to question whether or not you're preaching the gospel if you need me to perform to make you happy in your preaching. <laughs> if nobody says amen, but I know I'm in this book, I know I'm doing the work of the Lord. <laughs> but there's a group of folks that can't preach without an amen. Without a cosign. And they miss their assignment. Because maybe I come from a church where we don't yell. Maybe I come from a church where we don't shout and holler. Watch this. Maybe I'm trying to take in what you're saying. When I go to church, sometimes I want to hear the preacher. I don't want to holler over him. I want to make sure I'm clear on what the message is. A lot of times, the reason why you need a whole lot of yelling and hallelujahs is because you know you ain't saying nothing. 
<laughs> you need that. Because you know you ain't, you ain't study. You know you ain't read all week. So now you need me to, hey, you better go ahead, Pastor. You need me to holler over the fact that you didn't study. So we have to understand that all of us have different journeys. And the purpose of the gospel is to be the centralized portion that draws all of us together, even in our differences. Does that make sense? So we have an obligation to bear the weakness of those without strength and not to please ourselves. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his good to build him up. I don't want to wear a suit, but because the goal is to reach souls, where's my tie? I don't think it's necessary to do this, but if the ultimate goal is that we are to reach the kingdom, let me do what is necessary to build them up. And opposite way, if I ask you to come and not wear a suit, but we have an ultimate goal, don't come in. Just do what you got to do to draw the souls. Don't get so stuck up in your traditions that you miss your purpose. I ain't going to get too many amens there. Each one of us must please his neighbor for his, for his good to build him up. For even, watch this, Paul goes there because a lot of folks are saying, uh-uh, I ain't doing all that. <laughs> so Paul says, for even the Messiah did not please himself. This fly wants the word today. We go. <laughs> For even the Messiah did not please himself. Hmm. Jesus is sitting on the throne in all glory. He's in the splendor of his glory. The splendor of a king, clothed in majesty. He ain't got to come here. But he understood in order for me to reach my purpose and my goal to save you, I have to become like you so that you can become like me. Can I go a step further? The son of God became the son of man so that the sons of men could become the sons of God. Did that make sense? I'm going to say it again because some of y'all are looking at me like. The son of God became the son of man. So that the sons of men could become sons of God. So what Jesus says is, ew, I don't want to put that flesh on. Ew, I don't want to look like that. Ew, I got to put on sinful, fleshly nature to reach them. I am God. And I have to pour myself into flesh for the purpose of drawing you to me? Well, because that is the ultimate purpose. I'm going to do what I don't necessarily have to do, but will do so that I can save you. Mm. And Paul is saying, if Christ could do that, why can't we? Meet people where they are to draw them to Christ. Now, let me, like I said, we ain't compromising. I don't like the corny youth pastor that tries to rap and he, you know he ain't never rapped before. I I don't like that. Y'all know those kind of guys. It's youth night and there's this 90-year-old man up there. Come on, guys, give Jesus a praise because he, no. No, 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 no. That ain't trying to reach me where you are. You corny. You corny. Yeah. My purpose is to sometimes go back to the dialogue or the dialect that I used to speak before I was unsafe. Yes. Not cussing. Yes. No. What up, yo? Yo. Mm-hmm. Yo. <laughs> y'all mean. Lord love you, yo. <laughs> Some of y'all, y'all like that ain't my language. 
All right, I got y'all. What up, John Turkey? <laughs> I had to go back to the 70s for some of y'all. <laughs> I'm just playing. But I have to shift my dialogue to put on the person that I don't necessarily, and I'm not changing my personality, but I'm putting on that, that, that garment that will make them relate so that I can draw them. Sometimes people want to know that you ain't been saved your whole life. Sometimes people need to hear your testimony. Mm. So you have to put your testimony on and say, let me tell you something. I ain't always been a worship leader. I'm always picking on character. I ain't always been a worship leader. I've had my moments. And her level of transparency her going into something that is relatable to that person is more powerful than they don't know that Kara. But when Kara says that person that you met 20 years ago, that was me. And it's just the conversation into her evolution. It's more powerful than them, her showing them the end result. Mm. So Jesus comes, puts on flesh, walks amongst us, and he has to reach the Jew and the Gentile. How does he do it? He's circumcised on the eighth day. He obeys the law. He has his bar mitzvah. He does all of the Jewish customs. He observes the Sabbath. So therefore, in order for him to reach the Jews, he puts on his Jewish customs to draw them. But then he meets a woman at the well who's a Samaritan. And he reminds her that we all are the sons and daughters of Abraham. He sits with publicans and he sits with sinners. He ministers to a thief on a cross who has no hope. He becomes all men so that he can reach all people. And if Christ could get down and dirty to reach us, why are we so bougie after salvation that we can't get down and dirty and reach our mission statement, which is to reach so we can evangelize? Are y'all with me? So for even the Messiah did not please himself. On the contrary, it is written, the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. For whatever was written in the past was written for our instruction so that we may have hope through endurance and through the encouragement from the scriptures. Now may the God who gives endurance and encouragement allow you, look at your neighbor, say me, to live in harmony with one another. Watch this. Not according to Paul, but according to the command of Jesus Christ, Christ Jesus. He's telling all of us that we have to live in harmony whether you like people or not whether they have the same specific background or they don't, whether they're the same color or not. Watch this. Whether they have the same sexual orientation or not. That ain't your job. It's God's job. Your job is to love. Amen. Amen. Can I go somewhere with this? Can I go somewhere with this? Diversity is important. Diversity is important. It would be so corny if all of us started like, We wouldn't make the progress we had in this church thus far if we didn't have difference of opinions. I'm going to put them on blast. Somebody wanted to have a silent worship service. They want y'all to come in here, put headphones on and just to gospel music. And I'm like, no. <laughs> I see some of y'all like, nope. And then some of y'all like, that sounds kind of cool. I ain't saying no names. Well, somebody. (laughs) 
Y'all, y'all want to put some headphones on one Sunday and just rock out, and we don't hear nobody. Just everybody look crazy. And Darnell record this and put it on Instagram, and you just. I ain't doing it. I'll be the DJ. <laughs> Diversity is important. <laughs> I ain't gonna be here that Sunday. <laughs> Diversity is important. Watch this. Can y- y'all with me? Every single one of you have your own thoughts, your own opinions. God has given you your own insight concerning certain things. And we're not going to always agree on everything. And watch this. And that is the will of God. Because if all of us sound alike, we would all give off the same sound. Who got a favorite song that, that you're safe to say? What's your favorite song? All right, Beyonce. I never heard that song. I know Beyonce. Anybody got a favorite song? PJ Maxx. Okay. <laughs> Anybody got a favorite song? Freedom. All right. You just sung it. Freedom. Right? Uptown Road. All right. Uptown Road. I like that. I like that, right? Y'all like Uptown Road? Some of I ain't never heard of Uptown Road. All right. Old Town Road. Uptown, uptown, I'm thinking of Uptown Funk. Old Town Road, right? Watch this. Imagine if every musician on that track played the drums. Wouldn't be the same song. But there's one guy on that song that just goes, down, 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 down. That sounds crazy, don't it? But when you mix it with the drums, with the bass, it gives you an amazing sound. But there's one guy that's assignment is to hit one key through the whole song. The church is a symphony. Every single one of you have a purpose to the sound of the church. Mm. If all of us were drums, I don't know, I would rock out because sometimes I just like a, a break beat. If all of us were pianos, there would be no harmony, be all over the place. But God has given each and one of you a sound, a distinct sound, a diverse sound, so that we can have harmony and a symphony in this church. Somebody is the cowbell. <laughs> Somebody is the tambourine. Somebody is the baseline. Somebody is the synthesizers. Somebody is the keys. All of us have purpose. Now, if I knock you out the band, because I'm tired of your cowbell, I change the song. And we don't give off the full effect of the sound of the song. That is needed. I don't know about you, but sometimes you could take a certain portion out and you know the song is different. If you ever listen to DJ, sometimes they take the bass out and they just let it rock with no bass. You're like, nah, that ain't it. You got to put that bass back in there. All of us have a purpose for harmony in the church. Does that make sense? Where we at? Uh, Therefore, accept one another just as the Messiah also accepted you for the glory of God. For I say the Messiah became a servant of, of the circumcised on your behalf of God's truth to confirm the promises of the Father. I talked about this already. He became like us so that he can win. And so that the Gentiles may glorify God for his mercy. As it is written, therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles and I will sing psalms to your name. Again, it says rejoice, you Gentiles. This is the Old Testament with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, all the peoples should praise him. Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will appear, the one who rises to rule the Gentiles. The Gentiles will hope in him. Mm. Now many, no, I'm sorry. Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him so that you may overflow with hope By the power of the Holy Spirit. I want to say something right there. I want to go right there. It says, uh, now may, may the God of hope fill you with all joy. 
who fill you with all joy. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. Watch this as you what? If I believe in him, what will he do? He will fill you with hope and joy and peace. Stop trying to fill yourself. Trust him and he'll do the filling. The reason why we're empty is because we're trying to fill ourselves. But when we trust in God, God will do all the filling. Does that make sense? My brothers, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge, and able to instruct one another. I want to park right there for a while. I'm, I'm, I'm done the 21st verse. But I want to park here real quickly. Paul gives us here three signs of a mature church. Three signs of a mature church. Y'all with me? Number one, they're full of goodness. This is the church of Rome. They're full of goodness. They have moral excellence and they hate evil. A church that is full of goodness has moral excellence and hates evil. Watch this. They're not perfect. They're good. Mm. So Paul is not coming to Rome to preach a message like he does in Corinthians. They understand the importance of righteous living. The sign of a mature church is not a church that's perfect, but it's a church that understands the importance of righteous living. Watch this. I don't get it right all the time. I'm not a perfect person, but I know what's right and what's wrong. And I strive towards doing more of what's right than what's wrong. Y'all quiet. Number two, they're filled with all knowledge. Signs of mature church. Number two, they're filled with all knowledge. Watch this. They are doctrinally sound. Doctrinally sound does not mean dress code. It's not doctrine. That's your church's code of conduct. That's your church's dress code. But that's not doctrine. Doctrinally sound is I understand the doctrine of God. I understand the doctrine of Christ. I understand the doctrine of the Holy Spirit. I understand the doctrine of redemption. I understand the doctrine of the end times. Basically, they know their Bible. They know their word. So I know, number one, what's morally right. But I'm also able to define what's morally right by backing it up with the scriptures. I'm not just telling you holiness is right, but I'm going into the Bible to show you why holiness is right. I'm not just telling you not to commit adultery and fornication. I'm able to go into the Bible and show you the dangers of adultery and fornication. I'm not just telling you that the wages of sin is death. I'm able to go into the scriptures and show you why the wages of sin is death. Y'all with me? Watch this. Not once has he mentioned a pastor. Mm. Not once has he mentioned a preacher. He's saying this is what this church does without the pastor. Because the church wasn't like it is now. Paul did the work of a missionary and an evangelist. He would come by, drop a word, write letters, and keep it moving. And the people of that city would come and gather, and they would encourage each other. And they would have their own Bible studies. And they would have an elder in the congregation, which they would direct. But it ain't like the typical church that we have now. It's different. It was a different time. Which means that they had to be strong in Christ, each and every single one of them, for themselves. Mm. A weak church is a church that has to depend on a pastor to feed them every week. A strong church is a person that can go in that Bible and find answers for themselves if they can't reach the pastor. 
And number three, they're able to what? Instruct one another. Ooh. Ooh. I don't hear this one preach too much. And the reason why I don't hear this one preach too much is because a lot of times leadership has control issues. Amen. <laughs> so it has to run by me. And it has to happen by me because I'm afraid that I'll lose control if I allow the people to instruct one another through the word. Hmm. They were so strong that if the pastor could not reach, they could make a phone call to their brothers and sisters and have a discussion on where they were weak in their faith. Oof, that is an awesome church. That is so awesome that it's Wednesday night and look, my pastor's at work or he's, but I can call Sister Tony and she can open the scriptures and we can get on the phone and we can encourage and build off of each other. And she doesn't have to call herself pastor, evangelist, bishop, apostle, nothing. She's just a lover of the word of God and she's able to encourage me. That's a sign of a mature church. So three signs of a mature church is they are full of goodness. They have moral excellence. They're filled with all knowledge. They have sound doctrine. And they're able to instruct one another. They're able to bounce scripture off of each other. And they know the word for themselves to have conversation. Amen. Nevertheless, Paul says, I'm glad y'all got it all together. But nevertheless, I have written to remind you more boldly on some points because of the grace given me by God. What he's basically saying there is I'm only here to just bring a reminder to you of what you already know. I'm not here to preach down on you. I'm not here to tell you everything you're doing wrong. I'm just here to illuminate some areas in the church that you guys seem to not been focusing on since I've been here. Y'all with me? To be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Now Paul is sharing with us history points. Paul is sharing with us, number one, and I'm going to close here, that he's a priest. Number two, he's a preacher. And number three, he's a pioneer. <laughs> Y'all with me? Number one, he's a priest. His goal is to be a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. Watch this. Serving as a priest of God's good news. Now, I want to stop right there. This is not Paul telling us that he is what we call a modern day priest in certain churches. Whew. Man, I wish I had time. Y'all with me? What if I told you everybody in here that's a believer is a priest? 1 Timothy 2 and 5 says that we are a priesthood of believers. So Paul is not saying here that he's some type of special priest. And a lot of times I hear churches, and I'm not knocking. I'm glad this ain't recorded video because somebody inbox you. The priest of the house. No, 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 no. We're all a priesthood of believers. There's no particular one priest other than the high priest who is Christ Jesus. Pastor's not the high priest. I can't be the high priest because I can't go in for you. There's only one that could go in for all of us, and his name is Christ Jesus. Uh oh. So Paul is not saying that he is some type of priest that walks around with a collar and says, Save five Hail Marys and your sins are forgiven. He can't do that. What Paul is saying is, I serve as a priest of God's good news. My purpose is that the offering of the Gentiles may be acceptable, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Watch this. Paul is saying, my job is to reach Gentiles, get them to give their life to Christ, and offer it to Christ as a sacrifice. Say, God, I did my job. You do the rest. And what he's saying here is that all of us should also be priests of the gospel. One of the greatest sacrifices that you can bring God is not necessarily an offering. Oh, we like offerings, praise God. Please. We got a lot we can do with, with, your, with your money. But if you think your money is the thing that's going to be pleasing in the sight of God, that ain't it. 
One of the greatest sacrifices that you can bring to God is a soul to him. Mm. Y'all quiet. He says, my purpose is to preach the gospel. People say, what must I do to be saved? And I bring them as an offering to God. Watch this. For them to be acceptable and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. Oh, this is going to really hurt. How many of us have drawn somebody to Christ this year? Where's our offering? I'm talking to me too. How many conversations have we had with somebody about Jesus this year? That's what I'm talking about. How many times have you got on the phone and you shifted that conversation about power last night? And talked about the goodness of the Lord. Look, Zoe is saved and sanctified. <laughs> Our purpose is to draw and offer them as a sacrifice to God. As priesthoods of believers, the greatest gift that we can bring God are souls for him to do the work in their life. Amen. Does that make sense? My purpose is that the offering of the Gentiles be acceptable. Sanctified by the Holy Ghost. Therefore, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. I love this, this verse, this little sentence right here, uh, because it has helped me with my humility. Kara, we have a reason to be spiritual Kanye's. According to this scripture. I've struggled with it. Because I get text message emails and phone calls of how wonderful of the works that Hope Haven is doing and I try to do the humble, oh, praise the Lord. <laughs> you know, God is just... <laughs> Y'all know how that is. Anybody ever tell you did something good and you just, you trying to hide your smile? Yeah. To God be the glory. <laughs> but Paul says, I have reason to boast in Christ Jesus regarding what pertains to God. Meaning that if somebody wants to brag about what God is doing in Hope Haven, we can do it because it's God's work. Amen. The only time it's a sin is when we boast on ourselves. But if God is doing the work, we can boast on it. <laughs> yeah, quiet. You have a right to boast and brag if it's the work of God. Because what you're doing when you're bragging and you're boasting is you're magnifying the Lord. So don't be humble anymore. If somebody is talking about the goodness of God, not you. Watch this. And if somebody tries to shift it to the goodness of you, shift it to the goodness of God. Boy, you preach. Boy, the word preached. Woo, God used you on today. Didn't he? Didn't he? The only time it's a sin is when I walk around. <laughs> I healed 25 folks this Sunday. And I healed four backs and nine, nine necks. <laughs> and I grew four legs. <laughs> Service was so good, I laid hands on Kara and uh, she danced all over the place. Lay hands on Alana and uh, she grew four inches. She a grown woman now. That ain't, that, ain't, that ain't got nothing to do with God. That's you. That's you feeding your ego. And that's sinful. For I would not dare say anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles obedient by word and deed. Watch this. Word and deed. I can't brag about anything except what Christ has accomplished through me to make the Gentiles, watch this, obedient by word and obedient by deed. My message is so effective. I know I'm boring y'all today. My message is so effective that not only do the Gentiles be, are obedient to the word, but they do what the word says. The greatest effect is when I preach a message given to me by God. I'm going to brag on him. And you live it out. 
It's cool that I preach the message and y'all go home and say, that was a great sermon. But it's more powerful, like on Wednesday night, when we were talking in Bible study and they said, you know what? Romans 14 convicted. I got to do better. There were some points that you hit on that verse, in those verses, that made me have to question myself. That's the work of God. Y'all know, y'all know, I've been doing this a long time. 17 years, last Sunday. I've been doing this 17 years, last Sunday. I can do church. I've been doing it so long, I can do church. And when I say church, I don't mean the church. I mean, I can do church. I can, I can, I can get you happy. I can, I can get a musician in here. We can have a praise break every Sunday. I can do that. I can. I can. Y'all get what I'm saying? I can. But what good is that for y'all to leave here shouting, sweaty, tired, and saying, boy, we had church, but no instruction through the word? And what God had to do is he had to slow me down and say, teach before you inspire. There's nothing wrong with inspiration. There's nothing wrong with a little cherry on top and a little, you know, some fudge and, ooh, help me, Jesus. Whipped cream. All that good stuff. I don't like nuts. But what good is all that dancing with no instruction? Hmm. What good is it? If I give you word, but you don't live it out in deeds. By the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's spirit. As a result, I have fully proclaimed the good news about the Messiah. Watch this from Jerusalem all the way to Elikram. My aim is to what? Here we go. Another one of our mission statements. One of our words in our mission. My aim is to evangelize where Christ is has not been named. Ooh. Whew. I don't just preach in church. I don't just preach to save folks. But my aim is to talk to folks that don't know them. So that I will not build on someone else's what? It's great to have fellowship services, but what good is it for me to constantly preach to folks that already got the gospel? And what good is it for me to fill this church with folks that already know the gospel? The goal is to draw and fill folks in here in this building that may not have never heard the gospel Amen. completely preached before. Amen. And that was Paul's purpose. But as it is written, those who were not told about him will see and those who have not heard will understand. That is why I have been prevented many times from coming to you. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. Paul had three purposes in his, in his ministry. It was to be a priest, meaning offering souls. It was to be a preacher. He does not boast in himself, but he boasts in Christ. And it is to be a pioneer. He has a call to the unbelievers and to the unchurch. He has a call to be a missionary and to be an evangelist. Stop there. I'm going to give you three points and I'm going to sit down. Number one, don't allow your opinions to get in the way of drawing others to Christ. Amen. Does that make sense? Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah. I've seen it. I've seen it. I've seen guys kick women out because they didn't have stockings on. Uh-oh. They call it naked legs. So I see naked legs in here. I've seen folks tell people they couldn't speak because they had makeup on. Mm. I've seen, I ain't going to get into everything I've seen. I've seen a lot of crazy stuff. And there's a, per, there's a possibility that they prevented the gospel from reaching someone because someone did not have the appearance that they liked. That's your preference. That's not the word. That's right. Y'all don't know how many times I hear, 
how every preacher that's on TV is going to hell. And it's like, why? And a lot of times it ain't nothing more but jealousy. Uh, they, don't, they don't preach holiness. What is holiness? They don't preach how to live right. And the fact of the matter is, if, if I put a spiritual mirror on you, you're so down and dirty, you need to work in the crevices of your soul before you talk about who's holy and who's not. So don't get in the way of God's work because of your preference. <coughs> Sometimes if it bothers you that much, just leave. But don't hinder someone else from getting the gospel. Amen. Number two, the son of God became the son of man so we could become the sons of God. Say that again, the sons, I love that. That's my favorite thing. The son of God became the sons of man, became the son of man so we could become the sons of God. And number three, God does the feeling of joy. It is our job to believe in him. It's our job to believe in him. Does that make sense? Amen. Father, we thank you, Lord, for meeting us here in this place on today, God. We thank you, Lord, for this word, God. We thank you, Lord, for uh, just this journey through the book of Romans. Um, there's so much practicality in these scriptures and um, so many things that have come out during the past few weeks, and we thank you. Uh, just for your revelation, insight, and illumination of the scriptures, God, we ask God that you touch each and every single person in this room, name by name, one by one. God, you know their prayer requests, God. We ask God that you meet every single need. And Lord, we thank you. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like to partner with us or make a donation, please visit our site at www.go2hopehaven.org. Our mission statement is to reach, evangelize, accept, and love. Your contribution will be a blessing to many in our local community, nationally, and even internationally. Again, thank you for listening. Stay tuned for more next week.